I, I don't know if you've seen any of these recent pictures. I don't have any on the screen to show you this morning. I actually was thinking about this while I was sitting here worshiping. Uh, but of these, the James Webb telescope that NASA has recently started receiving pictures back from uh, 10, 10 or so days ago, 10, 10 days, two weeks ago, something like that. And uh, boy, these images are truly breathtaking. Uh, and the, the reality of the uh, millions, maybe billions, I don't know, of dollars that we had to spend, the amount of time that we had to wait. I think I read something that, to be careful not to riff here too much because I don't actually know. I read some stuff about it, but I don't have all the facts on my head. But something like 24 million light years away, which um, technically speaking, that's really, 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 really far. The computing power necessary to receive these images back and the work required to put them on a website for us peons to be able to view on our computers. It just doesn't even touch the magnitude of the magnificence of our God. And as we look around all of creation, we see glimpses of his glory. But we're just here on earth. Trying to figure out how to get to different places again and, or for the first time. And like we've done as little children, as humans, asking all these wonderful questions, great questions. What's it like out there? Thankfully for us, we have God's word that tells us everything that we need to know. God's word takes us from this broad, what we call general revelation. General means exactly that. It's very general, very broad, without a whole lot of specifics, other than we know that God's eternal and he's divine, that he's God. From creation, instinctively woven into the fabric of who we are, we know this of God. And in the Bible, God has given us everything that we need, not everything that there is to know about him, but everything that we need to know to come into a a purposeful, eternal relationship with God the Father through Jesus. And everything that we need to go, need to know, sort of categorically speaking, to worship Him, to live a life of godliness in our lives. Is there more to know that helps us in certain areas? Sure, but everything we need to know is scripturally right here in this book we hold in our hands or hold on our phones, which, by the way, have more computing power than I think what we had when we sent the first man to the moon in the palm of our hand. If you're a guest with us this morning, we're in Genesis, the book of Genesis. We've been spending uh, several months uh, so far, half the year, uh, in Genesis chapters 1 through 9. We're about halfway through chapter 9 this morning, and, and we get to see a wonderful promise that God makes to Noah and his family, but a promise that relates to you and me today, a promise that we can hold on to 
for the rest of our days. Read with me Genesis chapter 9, verses 8 through 17. Then God said to Noah and to his sons with him, Behold, I establish my covenant with you and your offspring after you, with every living creature that is with you, the birds, the livestock, every beast of the earth earth with you, as many as came out of the ark. It's for every beast of the earth. I establish my covenant with you that never again shall all flesh be cut off by the waters of the flood. And never again shall there be a flood to destroy the earth, meaning the whole earth. And God said, this is the sign of the covenant I make between me and you and every living creature that is with you for all future generations. I hope you're noticing the repetition that is happening here. I have set my bow in the cloud. And it shall be a sign of the covenant between me and the earth. And when I bring the clouds over the earth and my bow is seen in the clouds, I will remember the covenant that is between me and you and every living creature of all flesh. All the waters shall never again become a flood to destroy all flesh. When the bow is in the clouds, I will see it and remember the everlasting covenant between God and every living creature of all flesh that is on the earth. God said to Noah, This is the sign of the covenant that I have established between me and all flesh that is on the earth. Friends, the rainbow reminds us of God's faithfulness to his promises, which brings confident assurance to believers. The rainbow reminds us of God's faithfulness to his promise, which brings confident assurance to all believers. If you look only in the first nine chapters that we've looked at, that's literally just several pages of the book. In my Bible, it's, it's pages eight and nine of the Bible. Early in the Bible, you will already see God's record of keeping promises, which reveals his faithfulness. We have already seen God's record of keeping promises, which reveals his faithfulness. God says in this passage that he makes a covenant. A covenant is a, it's a binding promise. It's a, it's a pledge defined relationship. Here God promises never to destroy the whole earth again with the flood. Now it's important when we think about the promises of God to be sure we understand what God promises and to whom He makes a promise. In other words, throughout the the Old Testament, the New Testament, there are promises that are for a particular group of people in a particular situation that apply to those individuals. Now, there are truths about God that we can glean from those promises and the way he deals with those individuals. But every promise in the Bible does not necessarily apply to every Christian Thereafter, And that's important to remember because sometimes I've seen people be very, very confused with a promise in the Old Testament, for example, that applied to a particular group of God's people that they take and sort of claim for themselves. Well, that promise was not to you. It was to, unless the Bible makes it clear that it's to them and, you know, it's qualified. In this case, God makes it incredibly clear that this promise is with every human who will ever live from that point forward. 
every animal that will ever walk, crawl, or fly from that point forward. It's a covenant with man and the earth that God makes. And it's important to understand, he doesn't promise that he won't ever destroy the earth again. He promises that he won't ever destroy the whole earth again by a flood. He doesn't promise that he'll never send a flood. He promises that he will never destroy the whole earth with water. We can see that in what's happening out west in other areas where there's great flooding. God wasn't uh, apologizing, by the way. Oh, I know man's wickedness was great on the earth and that every intention, remember, intention is the key word, of the heart, uh, every intention of the thoughts of man, only evil all the time. I will wipe man from the face of the earth. And then he keeps his promise and he wipes mankind and every beast from the face of the earth, save Noah and his family, eight people in all. And then afterward, the water recedes. The landscape likely looks very, very different. And now God feels bad. No, that's not the situation. God's not saying, had to make sure this podium was where I thought it was supposed to be. God's not saying, hey guys, I know that was kind of harsh of me. And I just want you to know I'm not going to do that again. He does say, I want you to know I'm not going to do that again, but there's no apology. And that's important for us to understand because God is holy and righteous and he does not ever need to apologize for anything that he ever does. God does not need to apologize for anything that he ever allows into our lives. God does not need to apologize for anything that he ever brings into our lives because God has perfect wisdom that we don't carry. Perfect wisdom that we don't have an iota of. So he doesn't need to apologize, but he does bring comfort and blessing through this covenant through this this binding promise this covenant is a is a unilateral covenant several characteristics of it right it's a unilateral covenant in other words god took the sole initiative right there are some decisions that in our family i make unilaterally there are some decisions in our family sherilyn makes unilaterally We kind of know what they are, generally speaking, and it works. It may be different. It's probably different for your family than it may be for ours. But one person makes the decision, and hey, we go with it. God made a decision. He took the initiative. Noah didn't come up with this. He didn't negotiate with God. Before God said, let there be light, God knew full well that his creation would, would be his enemies against him in many ways. Before the world was ever formed, God planned this flood. God planned this marvelous covenant. He's sovereign. He determines what he's going to do, how he's going to do it, and when he's going to do it. And guess what? You might be surprised to know this, but he doesn't check with you. He doesn't check with me. And when we have issues with that, the issue is ours. The issue is not with God. 
Now that might, might make God sound selfish. The difference is God's perfect, holy, loving, and right in everything. We want him to do things his way. This is an eternal covenant from the beginning of time, as I was just saying. He carries it out just like he promises. Guess what? After Noah's day, men continue to rebel. People rebel. They, 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 they sin against the Lord. In fact, we're going to read of Noah's next week. This man who did everything according to the Lord, did everything the Lord told him, just as God told him, so Noah did it. We read in, in chapters, uh, what, 7 and 8. But not forever he doesn't. Not forever he doesn't. It's an eternal covenant God will never destroy the whole earth with water. He will destroy the earth with fire. And he will destroy the whole earth with fire, Second Peter tells us. It's a universal covenant, which means it applies to everyone. You can be a believer in God, and you can have your face set against God. And guess what? This covenant applies to you. If you live on the earth, you will never experience a flood that destroys the whole world again. You never will. It's unconditional. It's unconditional. There are many people who think that the rainbow first appeared at this point uh, or, or, or that the rainbow appeared um, beforehand and maybe God is giving new significance to it. In other words, was the rainbow a part of God's creation uh, before the flood and God just sort of attaches significance to it here? I think the verbiage helps us see differently when he says, I put my bow, I have set my bow in the cloud and it will be assigned to you. I, I put it here for you, Noah, and your family and your family's family. And the animal, notice how God is caring about all of his creation here, you know? There will be animals in heaven, not animals that we know. We just got a new dog recently. Our dog doesn't have a soul. Our dog can't become a Christian, as you know. I'm being kind of silly here, but, but there will be animals in heaven. There will be animals in heaven. Will it be our dog that we have at home? I, I don't think so, but it's an area that we'll understand when we get to glory. We don't have to understand it today, Right? God's making a promise and he's going to keep it regardless of whether or not Noah and his family keep every promise that or command, I'm sorry, that God tells them to. God keeps his word. Why? Because God cannot break his word. It's his character. It's not just part of God. It is by very definition. It is who God is. In fact, verse nine uh, in the new American standard, I think they capture it well when he says, I myself, I myself establish my covenant with you and your offspring after you. He's, he's putting the focus on himself. There's an emphasis on the fact that God is the one doing. Look at how we see the faithfulness of God. We're just going to look at four brief passages. And I'm going to read them fairly quickly, but I just want you to see them. Numbers 23, 19. God is not a man that he should lie or a son of man that he should change his mind. He has said and he will do it. Or he has spoken and will he not fulfill it? 
Those are rhetorical. Of course he will. Deuteronomy 7, 9. Know therefore that the Lord, your God is God, the faithful God who, who keeps covenant and steadfast love with those who love him and who keep his commands to a thousand generations. Lamentations 3, 22 and 23. This is a very common passage, very encouraging passage. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They're new every morning. Oh, how great is your faithfulness. I added that little expression in the middle there. Hebrews 10, 23. You can laugh at that or not. Uh, Hebrews 10, 23. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope, of our confident assurance without wavering. For he who promised is faithful. He who promised is faithful. Brothers and sisters, every time you see God keep his word in the past, allow that, call that to mind, to bolster, to strengthen, to to help solidify your faith regarding God's present promises and the promises that relate to your future. That's why he gives a rainbow to remind us, to remind us who, who have short, small minds, small, short memories. When a believer sees that God's promises reveal his faithfulness, we'll be flooded with confidence when we believe. That's the key word, a believer. A Christian is one who who believes, who believes what God says, who walks in the reality of what God says. If you say, I'm a Christian, but you find yourself infrequently believing, you may not be a believer if the way you live your life does not demonstrate belief. I don't mean perfect belief. Perfect obedience? No. Well, that's why Jesus came. The rainbow is a sign God gave us of his promise. Right? My, modern, modern science describes the, the, the rainbow beautifully. Right? But you see these photos behind me of it. A reflection, a refraction, and a dispersion of sunlight through water droplets. A, a, a mist or a curtain of falling rain, which produces an arc displaying a prism of colors. It's God's creative display that escapes our capacity for full understanding, but it is intended to remind us of his faithfulness in this promise. And, and this scientific description is very informative, very helpful. It's beyond my understanding. It blows our mind. Nothing is quite like seeing it. In fact, you may have just sort of let me kind of drown out while you're looking at those pictures. That's okay. It was intentional. Why? Because God put something in the sky that's tangible. God put something in the sky that we can see. It comes, it goes. We don't necessarily know when. Sometimes we can predict with relative certainty, but we don't have it. I don't know if it's the right word to say when I'm down to a science, but it's a phenomenon. It's a phenomenon. It's God's phenomenon. It serves first, and catch this point, it serves first as a reminder to God. Remember, God made a covenant, a unilateral covenant that no one asked him to do, 
a promise that he's keeping to himself. And I want to tell you, friends, there, there is nothing that can be more assuring to you that God keeps the promises that he makes out of faithfulness to his own character. We don't want anything else. We don't want God to like us more than he pursues his own glory, the way he, he lives for his own credit. He's the only one worth it. And so uh, uh, nations of people will turn to the Lord. And in heaven, it'll be a, it'll be a mosaic of people from all over the earth. All, every tongue, nation, tongue, and tribe will say, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and who is and who is to come. And Jesus will be seated on the throne with a, a rainbow of sorts crown. Friends, that's, that's incredible. Verses 14 through 17, you see this, that God is the initiator. God is the one doing it all, and it all depends on God. He says, when I bring my clouds, I'm sorry, when I bring clouds over the earth and the bow is seen in the clouds, I will remember my covenant. Essentially, he means I will call to mind. God doesn't forget. I know you think he's forgotten you at times. God does not forget. God, God calls to mind that which he's already promised to do. He calls it to mind. Never shall the waters again become a flood to destroy all flesh. When the bow is in the clouds, I will see it. And I will call to mind or remember the everlasting covenant. Verse 17, this is the sign of the covenant that I've established between me all flesh that's on the earth. The rainbow is God's grace. What is grace? Grace is God's undeserved favor. When it says a few chapters ago that Noah found favor with God, that's like saying God, Noah found undeserved favor, undeserved grace with God. Commentator Franz Delich writes really insightfully, he says, as the rainbow shines forth against the dark background, which, but shortly beforehand with lightnings, and it symbolizes the victory of bright, gentle love over a darkly luminous wrath. Growing as it does out of the interaction of the sun and dark clouds, it symbolizes the readiness of the heavenly to in, in, interpenetrate the earthly. In other words, God coming from heaven to earth. It proclaims peace between God and man, reaching as it does beyond the range of vision. And it declares God's covenant of graces is all embracing in this promise. It's rare that we drive down the road or we, we go on a walk and we see a rainbow and, and we say, oh, look, a rainbow. Most of the time people stop and they take a picture, which our cameras, you know, our cell phones don't always capture super well. Or they try to go where they can get the best vantage point. You ever done that? Let's see if we can, if it's anywhere near the ground, you want to get where you can see where it almost touches the ground. Only in rare instances. I think it's happened once in my life where you've been, where you can see at least what you perceive. 
as that bow touching the ground. It never quite, never quite does. And often it reaches high into the heavens. Sometimes, sometimes we get to see it all. Sometimes we get to see two. As beautiful as rainbows are, as beautiful as these images from the James Webb uh, Space Telescope are, that keep coming to us very slowly. Friends, if we do anything but allow it to lift our gaze to the faithfulness of God, we have totally missed the boat. Totally missed the boat. Have you ever taken a a work that someone else has created? And they've worked really hard on it. It may not be in a display anywhere. It's in a display in your home. And you don't put it on the refrigerator because it's, well, perfect. You put it on the refrigerator because of who it reminds you of. And your heart is filled with love. When a Christian sees a rainbow, our hearts are filled with love, with faith, with confidence. Let us never miss the designer for the design. Let us never worship creation, the creature, rather than the creator. Because your life will go off the rails quickly. It'll go off the rails. That means don't worship your spouse over God. It means don't worship the, the, uh, the systems of man. It means don't, don't worship your own opinion over God's. Don't, don't value your own faithfulness over God's. Anytime you see a rainbow, God put it there and he put it there for you. He put it there for me to be reminded of his faithfulness. And I'm going to go a step further and say, anytime you see a rainbow in any form, on any sign, in any way, let it lift your gaze to Jesus. God made the rainbow. God has proprietary rights on the rainbow. It's his. And we are in existence for him. James Montgomery Boyce, uh, a great pastor and preacher, gives uh, several aspects of signs that God gave for man. And, And this is modified, but largely borrowing from what he shared here, because it just hit me so, so strongly. When God gives a sign, when God gives a promise, he is bringing healing for those who are scarred. Right? The rainbow God gave to Noah after the flood. Imagine, imagine if you will, coming off the flood. Whatever great faith you have, 
Everything you knew before is gone. Rearranged. The noise of laughter and children and frolicking animals. Gone as you walk single or double file off this ark. You ever been to a place where a storm has just ravaged a town? A tornado has just swept through and destroyed a town. We're talking about this much of the earth. And it devastates us. Imagine. We're wounded by things in life that we see. We're wounded by things in life that we experience or, or that others experience and out of care and love for them. We're affected by that. You ought to be affected by that. It changes us in some ways. God reiterates and God is loud and clear so that Noah and his sons will hear this promise and that they would be reassured. And I just want to ask you as you sit here this morning, how does your soul need to be reassured that God is faithful? Have you started to disbelieve? Now, you haven't thrown in the towel yet, but you're struggling because life is hard. I mean, legitimately difficult. A shooting at Makokota Caves just two days ago. I mean, I could spend here, sit here for, that's why we don't want to watch the news anymore. Those things ought to affect us. But what ought to affect us more is lifting our gaze to the Lord and realizing how faithful God is. That should jolt you. And when we see a rainbow, we shouldn't say, oh, that's neat. We should say, wow, God, you're still keeping it. Which means you'll keep every other promise you've given me. He's the God of beauty who who makes signs of beauty to say i know that your life is filled with tragedy i know that your life is filled with pain sin is ugly sin is painful but i'm the god who is beautiful i am the god of beauty i'm the one who is over to able to overcome all of these things all of your pain i can in a moment snap my finger and call you out of this world to myself but i leave you here with a promise a reminder of the promise that I'm still keeping. Rest in that. Tuck yourself in and find refuge in my faithfulness. He gives a, a sign for the loan. If, if we, we'll, we'll see uh, in the not too distant future. Honestly, probably we'll pick up um, Genesis 12 in January. We're going to pause and do a couple mini series in the second uh, half of the year here. But We'll see Abram, Abraham, a pioneer, and, and he, he served the Lord in loneliness. God said, go, and he left his extended family, he took some family with him, but he up and he went to Ur the Chaldeans, and God sent him there. Out into the Arabian desert, 
God said, hey, Noah, I'm sorry, Abram, go. Early the next morning, he got up and went. God sent him off. And he went. This picture that we have in these early days of Abram's life is a lonely man. He's got his immediate family, and he's in a land that's not his own. And God takes Abram outside his tent on one of those nights when you can just see everything. No clouds to obscure the star, stars. No light from all the city lights that makes it, you know, just there's general light up there. I can see the few of the brightest stars popping through. He takes him out. Crystal clear night. And he says, look, look, see if you can count them, all those stars. One day, what comes from you will be as numerous as the stars. Go outside and look up and see God's creation. See God's affirmation that he is God. And you, friend, are not alone. God is far beyond our capacity to understand him. And yet... He is near. God is near to the brokenhearted and he comforts those who are crushed in spirit, the psalmist says to us. A lot of reasons that we're lonely. Your family might have broken up. Might have happened when you were a child. Might have happened as an adult. Maybe you're lonely because You've estranged yourself. Maybe you're lonely because in your pride, you thought you could do it all and you didn't need anybody. But now you find out, oh, this going it alone thing is not all it's cracked up to be. And God says, I'm near. Noah, probably with a, an ark up on the mountain, I don't know how far he was away from the ark at this point. God says, look, I made this for you. I know you need it. I know you will need it. Your great, 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 great grandchildren will need it. I love you. I made this for you. It's a bridge for a fugitive. Jacob, who was Noah, uh, Abram's son. Jacob, he was sort of a, uh, uh, he was a mama's boy, but he was a mama's boy who uh, sometimes mama's boys can be, right? They just want to get what they want because they're used to getting all they want from mom. But he would not put cheating others to, beyond him to get what he wanted. And so that's what he did. He was crafty and he was kind of a scoundrel. I mean, if you read... Uh, Cheryl and I went on vacation with the kids, uh, I don't know, several months ago, and uh, we listened through, I knew I was going to be preaching on Genesis, and so we listened through the whole book, uh, it took about, I think, four or four and a half hours, what did I say? 
Oh, I thought you were whispering something to me. Sometimes she sends me cues. We were listening to Genesis, and so it took us a little while to get through it. And the more we go, sometimes we'll read the Bible slowly, which can be really good. But sometimes when you just sort of like read quickly through it, you just, you just get the whole landscape, you know? And, and we were driving, and I just said, how can you not believe that God is sovereignly ordaining all of this? This guy is a rascal. I mean, he's a deadbeat. He is just after his own good, and he doesn't care who gets in his way to get it. And somehow God says, you're my chosen instrument through which I'm going to carry out my plan. What? Why him? One day he takes Jacob out. After Jacob's learned some and matured some and about halfway through, three quarters of the way through, halfway through Genesis. And he says, I'm going to show, he shows him a vision. And he says, I'm the God who builds stairways, right? He, Genesis 28 uh, tells us, surely the Lord is here, Jacob cries as he responds to what he's seen. The others may be gone. I may have separated myself from them, but the Lord is in this place. I didn't know it. Jacob called it Bethel, the house of God. And that memory, that sign that God gave Jacob, he carried with him. He built a stairway to heaven of sorts. And God says, I'm I'm the God who builds stairways. I'm the God that brings you back to me. I'm the God that, that makes right what you've done wrong in ways that you'll never understand. And the greatest stairway ever built was the one where Jesus came down leaving his heavenly throne to be man. For you, for me. He gives rest for the weary. Think about Moses. God calls Moses. I, 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 don't, I, I don't know about this guy. I, I can't really talk very good. So I'll take care of that. You just follow me. Oh, Okay. And as the Egyptians are in slavery for 40 years, Moses is tired of it. And he sees a Hebrew beating down one of his brothers, and he says, that's enough. That's enough. I'm weary. I'm tired of it. God's not handling it, so it's time for me to. He gets up and he kills him. Here's why you know he, it was wrong. So he looks. Anybody around? Nope. And he kills him. And God says, not like that, Moses. Like he said, not like that, Abraham. Trust me, I'm working a plan. Follow me, cling to me, hide in me, take refuge in me. Trust me. I don't know if I can. Look to the sky. See the rainbow? Remember that I keep my promises. Remember that I'm faithful to myself, which, I'm, which means that I'm faithful to those who love me. So God disciplines Moses and the Israelites, and he says, all right, we're going to go on a walk for a while. It's going to be dusty. Forty years in the wilderness. 
until all of a sudden, Moses meets God in a burning bush. A sign. Something supernatural that only God brings to connect with mankind, bridging heaven and earth to say, I am God. Take off your sandals. You're standing on holy ground. Have you squandered opportunities in the past? Oh, goodness, I know I have. God says, that doesn't disqualify you from working to build my kingdom. Remember who's doing the work here. God. If I'm God speaking. And he brings salvation to everyone who feels left out, betrayed, or forgotten. And it's through Jesus. Believers in Jesus have a confident assurance that they will be delivered from God's future judgment. That's the point of the rainbow. Noah, I'm not going to ever destroy the earth again this way. Well, that applies to every human. But God will bring the day of judgment one day. And to everyone who is tucked in in Christ, he says, you do not have to worry. You are covered in Christ. God God took Noah beyond just intellectual agreement, intellectual understanding. Brothers and sisters, you may know the Bible very well. Rosaria Butterfield. I'm not saying her last name right. Rosaria Butterfield. Uh, An Ivy League literary critic picked up the Bible to read the Bible. She'd read the Bible seven, uh, several times through. She picked up the Bible to read the Bible, to critique it, to prove it wrong. Sounds familiar, doesn't it? And in reading it, God took her from intellectual knowledge to capturing her heart. She repented of her Sinful ways, she turned and she trusted God. She speaks for him. She lives for him to this day. God wants you to know that you have eternal life if you have believed in Jesus Christ, not based on mere head knowledge, not based on weak feelings, but on the combination of the two, which the Lord brings and gives us clearly in his word that says, look, I've given you reminder after reminder after reminder. And he comforts us with these words in John 10. My sheep hear my voice. I know them. They follow me. Well, I'm a Christian, but I just don't think you have to. Okay. I mean, not according to Jesus, but. I give them eternal life and they will never perish. No one will snatch them out of my hand. You are secure If you are in Christ, mark it down. My father who has given them to me is greater than all. No one is able to snatch them out of my father's hand. I and the father are one. If we believe God's promise, we can have assurance in our hearts. It's based on believing God's word 
but it goes beyond this intellectual confession to the depths of our soul, which we need in the trenches of suffering, in the trenches of difficulty. We need to know that the rainbow shows us God's faithfulness to his promise. Promise is kept. And it brings confident assurance to the believers. Jesus gave us another way. When he ate his last meal with the disciples, he said, this is my body, which is broken for you. This is my blood, which is poured out for you. Do this. Why? In remembrance. We don't just say, oh, a snack. A drink. Bottoms up. Thank you, God, for shedding your blood for a wretch like Matthew Evan McGee. I am unfaithful, but you are not. Help me to trust you. If that's your prayer, Join us as we celebrate the Lord's Supper, as we close out this worship service, and then we'll have the privilege of welcoming one new member into our fellowship together today. Father, you are faithful beyond our capacity to understand. You are wise and have designed everything from beginning to end, and we can trust you. In fact, all of our days woven together before one of them came to be. Before we were ever born. Paul tells us in Ephesians, Lord, that you created us for good works which we should walk in. Well, that only happens as we trust you. And even that we do so imperfectly. But you sustain us, you hold us by your righteous right hand. And we praise you for that. Thank you that you intercede for us when we just don't have the slightest, the foggiest clue what to pray. In the background of darkness in our life, your bow stands out as a reminder that you've not forgotten. Because you can't, you won't. We worship you now as we remember. Amen.